0: Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. How many of you were here last week? How many of you remember what I spoke about? Like two people. Now, I, I really love this series on faith, uh, and a big part of it is that it's something that God's been outworking in my life, and Pastor Beck's life as well, we, uh, we, we are sensing that God's stretching and drawing our faith, and, and so we wanted to do a series about faith, about unpacking and explaining faith, because I think so many of us have got really bad ideas about what faith is, and uh, last week I spoke about how uh, faith is not about believing harder, How many of you have ever tried to believe harder? I know I have. I told you some of my stories about how I tried to believe harder. And that's not quite what the Bible is trying to tell us about what faith is. But instead, faith really is at its bottom level, the simplest level, is about saying yes to God. And it's about saying yes to the mission that God has created each and every single one of us with. You know, I just heard this week uh, that uh, a bunch of psychologists came together. They did a study on happiness. They, they, they pulled together all the different research about happiness um, that, that people have conducted over the years. And they came to a single conclusion about what brings people true happiness or what people can, uh, what was the one element of finding happiness in your life? And that one element is meaning. Without meaning, happiness is gone. And I will put forward to you that you cannot find meaning in life unless you find something that transcends time transcends my small, little, tiny existence. It's something so much bigger. And I've got good news for you because God's created you, put you together, knit you together specifically with talents, skills, and, and insight, and, and, and knowledge, and, and you got a, a specific experience through your life, and you get to live a life of mission and purpose that God has created you for. And so saying yes to God is about saying yes to the mission that God has given to you. And at the same time, we also spoke about something called the shadow mission, about how as much as God has created us with a mission for our lives, we have an enemy that is out there to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he awakens something up in us called a, well, I'm calling it a shadow mission. I don't know why he wants to call it. He can call it whatever he wants to. But it's a shadow mission. It's a, it's a mission that that steals away from, from our uh, focus on living a life of purpose and meaning. We, we spoke about Adam and Eve and how God gave them a mission to dominate the whole earth and all the creation. Read that in Genesis. It's amazing that, that God created the universe. would say, everything that I've created, I'm asking you to have dominion over. Talk about an amazing mission. A huge mission. God is not insecure about giving us authority and power. But at the same time, what happened was in the garden, we had this serpent who, who is Satan, our enemy, who said, God's withholding from you. Instead, you can be like God if you disobey God. And so awaken a shadow mission in their heart to become like God rather than to take on a mission that God had already given to them. And we know what happens next. They get kicked out of the garden. They were never again ever able to live out the mission that God had called them to live. How sad. And I believe that through Jesus Christ, we now once again have access to live a life of meaning and purpose. Through Jesus Christ, I no longer have to contend uh, with a second rate, second best existence or even third rate or third best. I don't have to settle. I get to live the most amazing life. And I believe that that's what God has got for each and every single one of us. I don't know. I thought you guys would be a bit more excited about that. I was like, okay. Still no reaction. You would rather me talk about jokes about how women need to take three weeks to do makeup than talk about your mission. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something amazing that God has got for each and every single one of us. That's what faith is about, is, a, is about uh, saying yes to God. And, and, and I want to unpack what that looks like a little bit more today. And I really hope that it's going to be practical and useful for you. But I also pray that you're going to have something in you that stirs up and awakens through this message. So, so can we pray? Can we just take this moment and allow God and the Holy Spirit uh, to begin to speak into our lives? God, we give you free reign. We say yes to you for whatever you want to do in our hearts and our lives. I pray that something gets stirred up, something gets awakened today. I pray that people walk out of here uh, with a different... A sense of what their life is meant to look like. No matter what is going on, no matter what has taken place, we know that our future is secure in you. We know that we have a hope that is never put to shame. We know that when our faith is in you, that that, that doors begin to open. And I pray for that over each and every single person this morning. And this we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this week I was reading the Bible as um, uh, uh, a good... Christians should, and um, I was reading the Bible, and uh, anyone read their Bible this week? Cool. Some of you just said yes because you were too scared to say no and be honest in church. And like, no, we don't do honesty in church. I'll just say yes. And I was reading the Bible this week, and I came across this story, right? And this story is a famous story, but as I was reading it, God began to put some interesting thoughts into my head, and it's a story about Moses. And you might know Moses from Prince of Egypt, or you might know Moses from Exodus, Gods and Kings, uh, or, or one of those movies. I love those movies. I, I love I love Christian Bale's uh, depiction of Moses and the struggles that he went through. You yeah, know, some creative license in it, but hey, uh, God is not a little boy with a broken head. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it shows us a struggle, the struggle that Moses went through and kind of humanized uh, Moses a little bit uh, for us. And as I was reading... Uh, his story again this week, uh, something began to open up uh, for me. And so let me just set the context for you. See, Moses was, uh, uh, was born into a very turbulent time. The Hebrew people were living in Egypt and um, they, were, they were multiplying really quick let's just put it that way, and, um, and, and so they were rapidly expanding in terms of their population, and the Egyptians got a little bit scared, and so the Egyptians are like, um, hang on, hang on, this is looking dangerous, let's make them slaves, and so the Hebrew people became slaves, um, but when slavery came, they multiplied even quicker, kind of crazy, and so Pharaoh was a bit scared about that, and he said, we need to kill every firstborn son in, um, that, is, that is born. I love this part of the story because I find it fascinating because uh, uh, Pharaoh talks to a couple of midwives and he tells the midwives, these are Hebrew midwives, he says to the midwives, hey, when a boy, when you're helping the women deliver, if it's a boy, you kill him. And um, they didn't listen because they were God-fearing and, and Pharaoh calls them back in again and said, why are you guys not, not, not killing the, the boys? And their response is hilarious. I love it. He said, Hebrew women are very vigorous. (laughs) They pop them out before we get there. It's literally the response, right? You need to read the Bible and laugh sometimes. It's not just this boring old stuff. Midwives telling Pharaoh, Hebrew women pop the babies out before we get there. It's like, what the heck is going on? And Pharaoh's like, oh, okay, I guess I could need to send soldiers now then. (laughs) Didn't do anything to Hebrew midwives. God blessed them with their own family. Like, I I think yeah obedience to god is crazy and um and and so it is in that context of of real turbulence and 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 genocide really that moses is born and again the bible tells us that uh, moses's mom looks at this boy just freshly born out of her rigorous vigorous body and um He's born and she looks at him and he goes, and she goes, this is someone special. And I love that because I don't know any mom or dad that looks at their own child and goes, oh my gosh, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> this is someone special. And I love that she saw the gift that Moses was. And she, even at that age, began to see this boy God could use. And last week, I spoke quite emotionally for myself because I believe God is putting on my heart. But parents, come on, let's see the mission that our children are supposed to live, yeah? Let's see, even at a young age, before they do anything, while they are depriving you of sleep, while they are dirtying every single piece of clothing that they have, there's a mission on your life. There's something special about you, and I'm going to keep you safe, and I'm going to try my best to, to help you live that life of mission that God has got you for. And so she manages to keep him safe for three months. That's a miracle in itself. If you have a child, you know that keeping your child secret for more than two days is impossible. We've got neighbors, right? And our houses are not like right next to each other. But we've got neighbors, and when they bring a baby into their house, it's like you know about it. It, What do you do? Gag them? It doesn't work. You are going to know there's a baby living next door. And and, and she manages somehow to keep him safe for three months. And then after three months, she, she, she just... It's, like, it's too hard. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep Moses safe. And so she entrusts this beautiful child to God. She makes a basket of reeds, puts Moses in there, and then puts him in the river and says, God, this is, this is up to you. I've done as much as I can. I, I love that picture because in my life, I realized that as much as I know that God's entrusted me with gifts, Sometimes I have to entrust him back with that gift. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. Things get tough, and I'm like, what? What? This, is, this is just not working out. I just can't. I've come to the end of myself, and sometimes we just got to take this gift and say, God, it's your gift after all. So you do what you can with it. And so she does that. And, and Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses in, in this river, in this lake, and adopts Moses. So Moses grows up in Pharaoh's court. He gets taught all the wisdom and all the knowledge of the Egyptians, and, and he begins to grow up. And then the Bible kind of cuts to this place. We don't know if Moses found out before this point that he is Hebrew uh, by birth. He, we, we don't know whether he knows this at all, but, but it, it comes to this point where it says, one day Moses had in his heart to visit his people. And in some of the movies, they, they kind of depict this moment where Moses discovers that he's Hebrew, that he's different from everyone else that is around him. And, and so he has it in his heart to visit uh, the Hebrew people. And, and, and he goes down and he sees the oppression that is taking place. He sees that his people are enslaved and, and, and being beaten up. And, and yeah, terrible, terrible scenes. And I believe that as he was standing there, something began to stir in him. Maybe for the first time he realized, I was put on earth to do something about this. God created me. Maybe he didn't know about God, but I, said, I this is something that I'm, I must do something about this. You know, as a pastor, I speak to many people, and many people tell me, I don't know what God's called me to do. I don't know what God's called me uh, to as a mission, and I guess over the last couple of weeks as we talk about missions that for some of you maybe it's quite difficult because you're you're sensing that I don't know what God's called me to well let me put it this way I think one of the most helpful things that God has ever uh, put on my heart is that our mission is not simply about what we enjoy doing it's not simply about getting the best for me but quite often it's about a problem that you are here to solve and Moses when he saw the plight of the Hebrew people I believe that something awakened inside of him. It was a almost a natural reaction, a natural kickback to the fact that he saw something taking place that shouldn't be taking place. And I think that something awoke in him. And in that moment, he saw an Egyptian slave master beating a Hebrew man and filled with this sense of, I must do something about this, he takes out this Egyptian slave master, kills him, buries him. And I'm thinking that this guy probably thinks that, feel, that felt right. I think that's what I'm meant to be doing. I'm meant to be freeing my people from slavery. And so he comes back the next day. He comes back to, uh, uh, to the Hebrew slave place. I don't know what they call it. And, and um, he sees two Hebrew men fighting and and he sees them fighting, he gets in between them and he starts to talk to them and say, why are you fighting amongst yourselves? You see, he has not just a heart to free them from slavery, but he sees that there's problems in, in the way that they're doing life. And he, he feels, I'm not just going to set you free from slavery. I need you guys to see that there's something bigger happening here. And that's what the mission of God does. When you're walking in it, you see little things and you're like, man, why is that happening? why should that be happening god stirs inside of your heart is that have you got anything in your life that just stirs you in that kind of a way maybe god's pointing you to your mission but unfortunately for moses when he got between them and he started to talk to them about it what happens next it's not so good one of the hebrew guys turns to moses and says what are you going to do are you going to kill me like you killed that egyptian man Moses thought to himself, I have been rumble. And then the Bible kind of cuts to the point where Pharaoh knows about this that is happening, and, and now Moses has to run for his life. So Moses runs to the land of Midian and for the next 40 years doesn't think about Egypt at all. He becomes a husband, he becomes a father, and he becomes a shepherd. He takes on this new role in this new life, and he's just kind of living in this unknown, unseen existence until one day. One day, God comes and visits Moses. And we can read this in Exodus chapter 3, and it says in verse 2 There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I heard this joke ages ago. I need to tell you this joke. Um, George Bush dies and goes to heaven. And um, as he goes to heaven, he, he sees... Um, Moses and he goes up to Moses and like hey Moses Moses sees him and runs in a de- uh, the other direction George Bush is like what the heck's going on so he chases after uh, uh, Moses and finally catches up with him and says Moses why are you running away from me and Moses says the last time I talked to a bush I walked in the desert for 40 years great joke Father's Day is coming up I love that joke I'm sorry, I read that so long ago. It still makes me laugh. And um, so we we got Moses and this bush happening, and God spoke to me from this story. It was really interesting. I started to think about this because we get this insight in 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 verse two that that this bush is an angel of the Lord. Is is, and when you read the angel of the Lord in. In the Old Testament, it often refers to Jesus. This is probably Jesus talking straight to Moses out of this bush. And, and we know that. We get given this insight that this bush is from God. But when you read it, you see that Moses doesn't know that yet. Moses simply saw this bush uh, at not burning up. And he goes, I need to go see this. And, and a thought occurred to me, how long did Moses take to realize that something strange is going on? Because in my mind, this is what's going on. Moses had been looking after this flock of sheep and they are in a desert area. It's not not like there's grass everywhere and you just take two steps and there's more grass and, and the sheep have got something to eat. What they would need to do as a shepherd in a desert area is take these sheep on journeys to go find food. And being a desert, there's not much to look at. There was sand. There were shrubs. And being a shepherd, there were sheep. And so Moses, for this whole journey that he would have to take these sheep on, he would have these three things, the sand, shrubs, and sheep to look at. And I'm thinking that he got them to this space. so okay, there's enough food for my sheep. I'm just going to settle down for a little while, have my afternoon tea. He sits down, not on a microphone stand, hopefully. And um, he sits down and he puts on desert flicks. Uh, he, he's, just, he's kind of sitting there and he's like, okay, sand, bush, sheep, fire. You know, guys, when there's a fire, it's like the most amusing thing in the world. And so you just begin to, look, oh, there's a fire. And because it's not like W.A. Bush, where bushfires kind of rage, is a desert. So that, there was probably one bush in the middle of the place just kind of burning up. So it's like, okay, let's just stay at that for a little while, kill a bit of time, better than looking at sheep eating leaves and sand so he, he looks at it and I'm wondering how long it took him to realize that something's going on because if you ever see something burn it's not like you realize that it's been burning for a while it's just you just kind of look at it you know what I mean anyone got this picture so, so he's just looking at this bush and realized that this bush wasn't like right next to him it was in the distance on a mountain So he was looking at these sheep, and they are like, okay, yep. I'm wondering if he stared at it for a little while. It's like, not much happening. It's burning. And then he looks back at sheep, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour. I wonder how long it took him to realize that something unusual was going on. And God began to speak to me about how in our lives, do you recognize when something unusual was going on? Moses didn't know that this was Jesus trying to speak to him. He just realized that there was a bush and fire. That's all he knew. And it captured him enough so that it would take him out of what he was currently doing, the mundane, everyday thing that he was doing, in order to have a conversation with God. And God began to speak to me about how how are we going getting captured by the unusual from God? Like, why are you here? Why are you here this Sunday morning? Why are you seated in Lift Church for our Sunday experience this morning? Is it because someone has been inviting you for the last three months and you've been giving all sorts of excuses, and then you finally ran out of excuses, and you go, you know what, I'm just going to get this person on my back. I'm going to turn up this Sunday and be done with it. If you are, I really hope that you find something more than just turning up. Or maybe you're going through a difficult circumstance in your life, and something's going on, and you hear that in church, there's a place of hope. There's a hope of, that that there's life when you attend a church service, and and so you rock up, and, and I pray that you, you find that encouragement and that life that you're looking for. But let me, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Before I became a pastor, I, I, I've gone to church my whole life, grew up in, the, in a Christian family, and, and going to church on a Sunday is a natural part of my life. In fact, when Beck and I go on holidays, and we don't go to any church on a Sunday morning, it feels like something is wrong. You know what I mean? Some of you are in this place and, and you understand what I mean. You've become so used to doing church that you kind of, it's normal. And if you ask me at that time, what are you expecting by going to church today? I would probably not be able to answer you. I, I value church. I really do. But I don't know if there was an expectation that God was going to do something in my life. I don't know if there was a looking out in my spirit for what was God going to do. I was so caught up doing this as a ritual and as an everyday thing that I have forgotten that God is doing something unusual, that God is actually doing something crazy amazing. And it's not just about church. When you wake up tomorrow morning, are you just getting through your life? Are you just going to work and then getting home and, and, and having your three meals and having your eight hours of sleep and, and, and just getting through your day? Or are you looking out for the unusual from God? Do you know that God is, is trying to catch your attention? Do you know that God is doing things in your everyday that is, that is standing out to you? Do you well, I, I was thinking about this. Moses didn't need to go to the burning bush. It was a mountain away. It was out of his convenience. But he was bored enough with his everyday life that the unusual from God captured him. I'm wondering if there's any people here that is bored enough of your everyday life that you're saying God I want to look out for your unusual I want to look out for the thing that you are doing that is different and 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 I want to be captured by it you know God gives us lives that are meant to be amazing that are meant to be exciting that is meant to be an adventure but some of us are so caught up doing our every day that we don't know the unusual of God when it hits us in the face do you know that today is getting so much harder to get anyone's attention because you've got social media you've got entertainment on demand how many of us are looking up from our phones to just see what is going on in the world maybe god is calling you to have a conversation with someone but you've been so caught up with what's happening on instagram and then you're looking at the lives that other people are living Oh, on holiday again well, the person gets to do amazing stuff. When's my turn? There's a burning bush in front of you and you don't even know about it because you're so caught up in your on-demand life. God began to speak to me about creating space. Part of our faith journey is about creating space. You are not going to be able to say yes to God if you don't know what God's saying. If Moses didn't take the time to go to the burning bush, he would not have received the clarity of the call for his next move. He would not have been able to say yes to God if he didn't allow himself to be interrupted by God. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, and I, I, I'm a person that makes plans I've always made plans. I've always kind of tried to line things up and get things happening. And that's, that's how I always lived. And, and I, was, I was doing that even for Lyft. You know, I, I kind of put plans in place. And then I just kind of felt God saying, create some time. Have some time just to pray and ask me what I want to do. I'm sure God could have just done it conveniently for me. God could have sent me an email and it would have been easier. God's God. If He wants to send you an email, you can. But He decided that I needed to be inconvenienced on my everyday in order so that I could see the unusual that He was doing. And, and so I, I started to pray, and I, I took a Wednesday Avo, took an hour out, just prayed. And let me tell you that one hour that I spend with God, I saw more unusual things than in all the time that I'm planning and making things work. Yes, the planning and the doing of things are important. But at the same time, in the midst of all of that, are you creating space to allow God to speak to you? Are you allowing God to challenge you? You want to grow on your faith? Allow yourself to be interrupted. Allow yourself to start to see the unusual of God. And then God continued to speak to me because what happens next is, is again, mind-blowing we all talk about the burning bush as such an amazing thing that happened for Moses. And, and, and so God begins to unpack, and He begins to tell Moses, uh, Moses, I'm going to use you to rescue the Israelites. Remember that Moses thought that this was what he was meant to do before. Remember that when he was in Egypt and he saw the Israelites, I believe that he already sensed that there was something about the Hebrew people, that he needed to do something about that. And so when God comes and outlines how this is going to happen, in fact, God begins to talk to, the, talk to him about how Pharaoh was going to reject him for a little while, and, and he was going to bring all these plagues into, into place in order to bring the Israelites out of Egypt and all of that stuff. Like, he, God just unpacked it. And I thought, you know what? If God ever that clearly spoke to me about what I was supposed to do, how could you say No. Yeah, how, how could you say no? But, but I began to read what happens. And, and first, Moses is like, you got the wrong guy. God begins to say, no, you're the right guy, and I'm going to be with you. And said, no, but other people are not going to recognize that I'm the right guy. And then God says, okay, then, then you do these few magic tricks. It sounds like magic tricks to me. You can read the story yourself, Exodus 3. And, 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 and God says, yeah, I'm going to let you do these things. And, and, then, and then Moses says, Moses says something crazy in Exodus 3 verse, I've lost it, go notes, I think it's up there anyway, maybe not, my bad, no sorry, Exodus 4 verse 13, I was looking at the wrong chapter, Exodus 4 verse 13, they've had this big conversation about how God was going to use him And then Moses says this crazy line. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I find the first part hilarious. Pardon your servant, Lord. Moses was just giving God lip service in this moment. If he really was seeing himself as God's servant, he wouldn't be like saying no. The fact that he was saying, pardon your servant, Lord, it was just like, you crazy, but because you God, I need to be nice to you. He was just basically saying, get me out of here. This is no way am I going to do what you're asking me to do. And that stuck with me because I've always had this thought. I've always had this in my imagination that if I had a flipping burning bush experience, I would never be able to say no to God. Moses is the exception. But then God began to put in my heart that maybe for many of us, we've been interrupted by God and God's already spoken to us, but we're still saying no. Because a shadow mission is easier to say yes to. See, for Moses, God began to just put this on my heart and Moses knew that he was meant to be some kind of rescuer Of some kind. But when he tried it in Egypt 40 years ago, someone ratted him out. How did Pharaoh know that Moses killed someone? Someone told Pharaoh. His attempts to be a hero ended up in him being a fugitive. And then what happens next? I didn't tell you this part of the story, but you might remember it. He goes to Midian. And the very first thing that he does when he enters into Midian is to save his soon-to-be wife. You can read about it. He actually rescues these women who were trying to water their camels and, and there were these bandits that were coming around trying to chase them away and Moses fights them off, saves the woman, gets a wife. And I'm thinking, I see what's happening here. As much as Moses always knew that he was meant to be a rescuer, he was happy to be his wise rescuer, and he didn't want to be Israel's rescuer anymore. He was happy with his lot. He was happy with this space. She sees me as a hero. Those people rejected me. Those people ratted me out. And you can see in his responses to God, those people will never, never believe that you're the one that sent me. They're going to reject me. You are sending the wrong guy because they are not going to accept me. And so Moses settles for a second-rate existence in this moment. He says yes to his shadow mission because his shadow mission is safe. His shadow mission is under his control. I already have a wife. I already have a child that looks up to me and thinks that I've got it mate and thinks that I'm everything to them. So yes, I will look after my, my sheep and walk them around a the desert, and that's going to be enough for me because they acknowledge that I am someone of value, but they didn't. And I'm wondering whether some of us, I'm wondering whether some of us have already had burning bush moments where God spoke clearly into your heart about the life that you could live with Him as a part of it. But because your shadow mission is still more appealing, you're saying no to it. And then you go through your life and you get to a place where you're like, I don't know what God's called me to do. I'm just just getting through my week, getting through my day. And that's enough. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that every person in this room has already had an invitation by God to live your life on mission. I'm convinced. I don't think God has looked around his room and go, you, 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 skip you. Don't like you. Your beard's a little bit weird. Let's go with that person. Your makeup's not done right. I don't think God does that. I'm convinced that God looks at each and every single one of you And He's already given you an invitation into something so much more. But because our shadow mission is more comfortable, our shadow mission is more attainable, our shadow mission is more whatever, we say yes to it. See, this is where God began to really unpack what faith looks like. See, faith is not just saying yes to God, because yes is pretty easy. Is actually saying no to our shadow mission as well. We actually have to say no to some of the things in our lives in order to say yes to God. The Bible, Jesus talks about it this way is that count your cost. He said, count your cost. And sometimes we talk about Jesus and your mission as though there's going to be some amazing trip of a lifetime and everything's all sorted. It's like being on a cruise where you can have any meal that you want at any time that you want. No, no, no. Jesus said count your cost. Do you know what you're following? Do you know that's going to hurt? Do you know sometimes you're going to have to say no to opportunities and things that actually look pretty good. But I've got better. But as you say yes to God, you start to realize that things are not that easy. Read the rest of the story of the Exodus. Moses had a tough Moses had it so tough, and I'm like, man, sucked in, you said yes to God, and then look at yourself, you're dealing with a million whinging, whiny, crappy people, and then I realized I said yes to being a part, no, I'm joking, (laughs) totally joking, you guys are the best people to lead, honestly, being serious, I know I make a lot of jokes about it, but but he said yes to God and things didn't become easy. But that's what faith looks like. If you want to be captured by your shadow mission, you're always going to find yourself in a place of unsatisfaction. I remember I had this conversation with a, with a young person, and, um, and he was about to be given a, a position in the church. And, and I'm not, by the way, I, I believe that you can have a mission in your workplace. I believe that some of you, your your mission is in your home, and and there's so many different missions that God can have for each and every person that doesn't have to look the same. But for this particular person, he was struggling because he was in a really well-paying job with a lot of options to get promotions, and he's got a heart for the business world and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, a door had opened for him to take on a a, a position in a church, and he was kind of tossing that up, and it was a it was a really big decision for him, and, and we had a conversation, and I honestly do not remember the conversation at all. I just remember that we did talk, but I don't remember what I said at all. I, I, we, we just chatted, and um, I think it was the Holy Spirit that was using me in that moment to say something, because I, I don't remember saying this at all. But a couple of weeks later, he messages me, and he says to me, thanks, Nate for helping me in this choice. What you said will stick with me forever. And then he put this line down. He said, nothing else will satisfy. I was like, I do not. I remember saying that. I cannot take credit for that. I wish I could because it sounds like it's a really cool thing to have said in the moment of your struggle and how I brought so much clarity. But I think it was just the Holy Spirit. I was just in the right place at the right time. And, I, and, and uh, yeah, but he kind of, we had this conversation and he kind of unpacked how he went back to his workplace and, and as much as there were these opportunities that were opening up for him, he checked on the inside and he went, it doesn't really satisfy. Still this aching longing for something more. And as much as he would be taking a massive pay cut, as much as he would be taking, um, you know, his parents uh, were the type that were kind of like, no, but, you know, you need to set yourself up. If you want to work in the church, you you know, you need to earn enough money so that you can kind of set all And all that kind of stuff, he, he knew that he would have to face that. In fact, it's really interesting because he said... Uh, one of the tests that he gave to God was that his parents would, would say yes to him taking this on, and and they actually did, which was really, really cool. It was a, a a sign that God was opening up the doors for him, but but he had this big decision in his mind, and, and the shadow mission was looking pretty appealing. But then at a the deep level, as he continued to look into it, it's like, no, there's something missing there. And then he looked into what? god was calling him to and he was like there's satisfaction in that that's a life that i could be pleased with myself about that's a life that i want to live and so he said yes to the mission of god and in the process of doing so he had to say no to the shadow mission in his life faith says yes to god Even when other things look more appealing, faith says yes to God, even though other things are more comfortable. Faith says yes to God, even though other things make more sense. Faith says yes to God, no matter what the cost. And that's what faith is about. It's not about believing harder for the things that you want. Faith is about being available to hear God's voice and to say yes to it. And as I was preparing during, during the worship set, I was like, God, what is it that you really want me to land on? And God issued this challenge into my spirit that I believe is for each and every single one of you. He said this, watch what I do with your yes. Watch what I do with your yes. You've done your no for enough. You've been living your no to me. You've been saying yes to your shadow mission, and this is where you've got yourself. But watch where I go with your yes, you your seed of faith, when you say yes to me. Watch what I do with that. Moses had his wife and his child, and he was, oh, look at me. I've got my life that I wanted. But there was a million other people that needed him to say yes. Watch what God did with his yes. It was a reluctant yes. It was was a hard yes for him to say. It took God a long time to negotiate. Can you imagine negotiating with God? But Moses negotiated with God to the point where he was like, all oh, right, I will say yes. But then look where it took him. Moses then writes five books of the Bible. Look at the legacy that he leaves. Look at the meaning and purpose that he discovered. Look at the life that he got to live. And God is saying to each and every single one of you, give me your guess and watch what I do with it. Some of you are trying to make sense of your life and your world. You're trying to make the dollars work out on the columns. And God's saying, watch what I do when you say yes. And some of you, your yes is not that big right now. It's your first step of your yes. Maybe your yes today is saying, yes, God, I'm going to allow you into my life. I don't know how it's supposed to work out. Not everything works out in my mind, but when I say yes to you, I want to see you come through. For some of you, it's with your finances. It's saying yes to the tithe. It's saying, yes, God, I know it's set in the Word to give you the tithe, and I struggle with it. And I don't know how this finance is supposed to work out when I give the first 10% to you. But today when I say yes to you, I want to watch what you do with my yes. For some of you, you're in a relationship or in relationships, you're friends or romantic or whatever it is. And God's saying, I've got something better for you. But you're still saying yes to that shadow mission of comfort, of feeling appreciated by someone else. But God is saying to you, when you give me your yes, I'm going to open something up so much more. When I look through faith with this lens, it adds up. It adds up. I can see God's hand on my life. Faith isn't about believing harder. Faith isn't about no doubts. Faith is about saying yes to God in the middle of my fears, in the middle of my insecurities, in the middle of my anxiety, in the middle of my brokenness, in the middle of my emptiness. And I say yes to God, He's never put me to shame. Can we get the band up this morning? I really hope that this morning what I've unpacked for you is what faith practically looks like for you. And let me say, I understand that the first few times you say yes to God is the scariest. It's, it's the most, it's the ones that you get the most pushback with. And I completely understand it. Because so many of us have gotten comfortable with maybe sitting on the fence or saying no to God, that saying yes to God is like, so what's going to happen? Am I going to be like not able to drink alcohol or not able to have sex? or Some people think about that stuff. Let me just say, trust God. I don't know what your tomorrow looks like. I can't tell you what your tomorrow looks like. But what I can say is that God's never let me down. And watch what watch what He does with your yes. Watch what he does with your yes. As your pastor, I'm looking back on this date. Thirteenth of August twenty seventeen. Because I'm believing that some of you this morning need to say yes. And some of you are going to say yes, even though it's hard. And some of you are going to say yes, even though you are so scared about this. But as you say yes, I believe that you're setting up yourself to see what God is going to do with that. Some of you have a yes to say to God in regards to having Him as your Lord and your Savior. The Bible teaches us that when we believe in our hearts and confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord, that day salvation is yours. And you've been kind of camping around this and and maybe you've been thinking about this and it's been difficult because you're thinking, what does it look like? How does this supposed to work out? But today God is already stirring in your heart. Maybe you're even sensing that there's a bit of tension around your belly area and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, what is this all about? Is the Holy Spirit working in your life, bringing you to a place of conviction. Strengthening you to say yes to God. That's the first yes that I want to talk to you about today. Are you going to say yes to God? Stop being your own saviour. You're not good enough. No one else can be good enough. But Jesus never lets you down. And so this morning, I would like to lead you into a prayer. If you can get every head bowed, every eye closed. This is your moment. If you want to invite Jesus into your life, I'm going to lead you to a prayer. Everyone's going to repeat after me. But for you, really, really just seize this moment. And let it be your yes to God. So let's say this prayer together, church. Dear Jesus, I want to say yes to you. I've lived the life of no. I've sinned. I've fallen short. But I know that you went to the cross for my sin. And I want you to be my Lord and my Saviour. Wash me clean. Live in me. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.